Well, we'll continue our examination of the Ten Commandments today, and this morning we'll be looking at the Eighth Commandment, which is, you shall not steal. Throughout our examination of the commandments, I tried to make the point that in the Ten Commandments, the Lord shows us how we're to rightly live as his freed, redeemed people. First four commandments show us how we're to rightly relate to God, and the last six commandments show us more how the Lord desires for us to relate to other people. And Jesus tells us that this duty to both God and to others are inexorably linked, and he summarizes that for us in Luke 10, when he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. A way of review, the Lord insists that we're to have no other gods before Him, that we're to be holy and exclusively devoted to Him, that we're to worship only Him, that we're to give to Him and to Him alone the exclusive and wholehearted worship that He deserves. And if we fail to do that, we steal from God. We steal that, we withhold that which rightly belongs to him. We're to bear and use his name rightly, giving him the glory that he and his name deserve. And when we fail to do that, we steal from him, stealing his glory. We're to rightly observe the Sabbath, and and when we fail to do that, we're stealing his holy day. As I've considered the commandments again this week, and especially this Eighth Commandment, I've come to see that you can think of how almost every violation of the Ten Commandments involves some kind of theft. Just made some reference about how that can occur when we fail to honor the Lord as he calls us to in those first four commandments, but the same holds true for the rest of them. Murder robs someone of their life. Adultery takes what rightly is to belong only to one's spouse, and it robs them of that. And lying steals the truth, and so on. Really, each and every time that we sin, we're stealing something from God. We take what He should have, glory and we uh, glory through the way in which we're to live as his redeemed people and we rob him of receiving that glory whenever we fail to live in ways in which we ought as his image bearers a primary scripture passage today is exodus 20 verse 15 the eighth commandment which again reads as follows you shall not steal pray with me again Father God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you would remove anything that clouds our understanding or diverts our gaze off of you, our only hope for salvation. Holy Spirit, examine our hearts and transform us, we pray. Amen. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. You know, this commandment is a commandment that has to deal with stuff. 
It's about your stuff. It's about my stuff. And it's also about God's stuff. So I thought about this, this this week. I was reminded of an old comedy routine by George Carlin. Maybe some of you remember what I'm going to refer to. Others of you may not have even heard of that name before. But George Carlin had this great routine about stuff, about our stuff, about my stuff, and also about your stuff, and about how we don't like it if someone else's stuff is better than our stuff. And about all that we have to do to protect and to collect our stuff. And that we need to do that. We need to protect our stuff because there are people out there who might be tempted to steal our stuff. We can care a lot about stuff. Now it might be that as I read the words of this Eighth Commandment that you shall not steal, maybe you thought um, at first, as maybe you thought even when we looked at some of these previous commandments over these last weeks, that, you know, this one I'm in pretty good shape on because I don't think I've ever stolen anything in my life. But if you've been with us throughout this study of the Ten Commandments, we'll see as we make our way through this message today that all of these commands go much deeper than what we might first expect at first. So as we consider this commandment this morning, I'd, I'd like to encourage you that, that to not think that this commandment or message is for someone else. That this is a message really that, that mostly those bad people out there outside the church who might engage in actual outright thievery. It's more of a command for them than it is for us. But rather than to, to be tempted to think that way, let's instead look into God's perfect law and let's use that as a plumb line for our own lives. What are ways that you and I might be tempted to steal? Well, first, let's ask the question, what does it mean to steal? Well, quite obviously, to steal is to take something that doesn't belong to you or to gain some kind of advantage, to gain something dishonestly. Now again, I suspect that most of you don't struggle with outright thievery, but are there more subtle ways that you and I might break this commandment? How might we steal? You know, for many people, one of the places where this can happen readily is at our places of employment. I've seen a statistic that U.S. businesses lose some $50 billion a year to employee theft of one kind or another. Maybe that comes in the form of taking some office supplies home, or maybe of delivering a couple extra packages to your house instead of the address that they're supposed to go to, Darren. Or maybe, maybe you work at a restaurant and, or at a grocery store at a deli, and maybe you eat food that's intended for customers when you're really not allowed to be eating that for yourself. Some people can be tempted. People who work cash registers can be tempted to work a little sleight of hand every now and then at the cash register. And rather than putting that cash in the drawer, they may put that cash in their pocket on occasion. 
Or maybe we don't really give our employer a fair day's worth of labor. Maybe we spend too much time talking with our co-workers rather than doing the job that we're paid to do. Or we spend too much time on our phone at the desk texting with friends. Or we surf the web rather than to focus upon the work that we're supposed to be doing. Maybe we falsify a time card. Those are all ways that someone might be tempted to steal from their employer. What are other ways that we might steal? Well, we might steal from the government. We do that if we cheat on our taxes. We might claim certain personal expenses as as a business-related expense and take that off of our taxes. But if we do that, we're stealing. We might not report some cash income on our taxes. If we do that, we're stealing. We might steal from a place of business that we visit as a customer. For instance, for families with young children, we might be tempted to lie about a child's age. You know how this works. At some restaurants or businesses, they might have free or reduced meals or admission for a child under a certain age. But what if that age is just one year older than the true age of your child? No one will know. Everybody does it. Would it really hurt anyone if you just told a little white lie and say that that child is six when really they're seven? Or, or that child is actually 13. Uh, the, the child who is 13, you say to that waitress, oh, they're only 12 so they can get that kitty discount, right? But again, if we do that, if we gain a dishonest advantage, we're stealing. You shall not steal. The Lord doesn't want his people to be thieves. He doesn't want his people to be takers. But instead, the Lord desires for us to be givers. As his redeemed people, the Lord calls upon us to live lives of generosity. We see that in Ephesians 4.28, where Paul says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Give generously. That's the opposite of stealing. And just as we've been doing throughout our study of the Ten Commandments, we can get a sense of God's grander desire for how we're to live by flipping that negative prohibition of the commandment. So when we flip this command we move from do not steal to give, to be generous. As God's redeemed people, we're to be generous. And why? Well, because we're created in the image of God himself. And the Lord has been oh so very generous to us. We're to be generous. We're encouraged to be that way throughout Scripture. In Deuteronomy 15.10, we're told, Give generously and do so without a grudging heart. And because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Psalm 37.21, The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous gives generously. 
Psalm 112.5, good will come to him who is generous and who lends freely. Proverbs 22.9, a generous man will himself be blessed. And 2 Corinthians 9, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. There are many others similar encouragements. The Lord calls us to live lives of generosity. And when, when I in Scripture talk about being generous, that doesn't just mean that we're to be generous with our money. That's part of it, but in no way is that all of us. Because the Lord wants us to be generous with our whole being. We get a sense of that from the words of Jesus from Matthew 25. There when he talks about people who truly know him and are his in a saving way, he says that generosity is a hallmark of their being. And he speaks of them as being people who clothe those who are in need. They clothe those who are naked. He speaks of his people as being those who feed the hungry, as those who give a drink to those who are thirsty. He says that they're people who welcome and show hospitality to strangers, welcoming them and providing for their needs. And he speaks to them as being generous with their time, caring for the sick and visiting those in prison. Jesus isn't simply talking about the amount of money that we give. So here's a question for us to consider this morning. How might you and I be more generous? Well, do you have skills in, in say, the, the area of carpentry? Well, maybe you can help a neighbor or a friend with a project at their home. If you have a car, can you give someone a ride? Can you help take care of an elderly neighbor? I know that those are things that many of you do already. And as you do, you honor the Lord as you give of yourself, as you give of your time for the sake of another person. But what else might we both as individuals as well as a church do to tangibly show forth the love of Christ. Let's consider that. We're not to steal. We're to live lives of generosity. Refusing to show generosity to others can be seen as a form of stealing. Selfishness can be a form of stealing. When we refuse to give generously, as Scripture calls us to do, and when we hold too tightly to our possessions, insisting that our stuff is mine. But remember the words of Christ from Luke 16. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so the question for us becomes, will you serve God or will you serve your money? Will you serve God or will you serve yourself? Will you serve God or will you serve your stuff? 
I've heard one preacher on this topic say that this command that we're to not steal isn't just a matter of what do you insist to have or what might you take or what might you steal, but that this is also about the question of what do you refuse to give? What do you refuse to give to your neighbor? What do you refuse to give to God? In 1 John 3, the Apostle John tells us, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? How can the love of God be in him? Clearly, it's sin if I take what's yours. But it can can also be a sin if I refuse to give to others or give to God. And that's because we really don't belong to ourselves, but we belong to the Lord. In Psalm 24, the Lord declares, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that dwell within it. You are His. And you are especially His if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Scripture says you have been bought with a price. I made reference to this passage last week, and it seems appropriate to make mention of it again today. Those words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You are not your own, but you have been bought with a price. And that price that was paid was nothing less than the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we see shown forth in this meal that's been provided for you today. As men and women, boys and girls who have been redeemed by the Lord, we belong to Him. And not only do we belong to God, but so does all that He's given to us. And we ought not withhold anything from Him. We ought not sinfully withhold anything from other people. God desires for us to learn to not just be takers anymore. Yes, of course, that we would not steal, but he also desires that we would learn to live these kind of lives that are marked by generosity. And so many of you do that already so well. It is good and it's right and it's fitting for us to be generous people. And why is that? Because another has been so generous to us. Again, a passage that we read earlier in the service, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And as we learn in Philippians 2, God the Son gave him of himself. He set aside the prerogatives of heaven, and he became a man. And he gave of himself completely, paying the ransom price of his very life to purchase your redemption. And here's a great relief. Here's a great comfort to any and all of us who have ever broken this commandment or any commandment. You might remember that Jesus was crucified between two thieves. And when Christ died on the cross, he died for sinners. He died 
for people, including thieves. And every thief, even a thief like you or I, who trusts in him and who repents of their sinfulness, will be saved. That first thief to be saved was the thief who died on the cross next to Jesus, who cried out to the Lord, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This man, this thief, repented of his sins, and he found grace and mercy and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And you remember those words that Christ said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. None of us is beyond the hope of the gospel. None of us has, is, is unable to find that in Christ that we need to be reconciled to the Father. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your generosity to us. We thank you for the gift of eternal life through faith in Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are willing to give your life as a ransom for us. And Father, that you loved us so that you did not withhold your best thing. Your, your son, Jesus Christ, you did not withhold him from us, but you gave him freely to us. God, we thank you that we now belong to you. We thank you for your rich provision. Help us, Lord, to see that, that you are faithful to your word to give us everything that we will ever need. We can trust that our God is able to provide every need of ours. Help us, Lord, to trust in those promises. Help us to trust in you. Help us to not love our stuff too much. Help us to not covet or to steal the stuff of others. Help us to not hang on too tightly to the, the things that you have given us, Lord. Lord, cause us to, to have a heart that clings to you far more tightly than we do to our earthly possessions. Lord, we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.